backdrop, Parker. Never looked better. <laughs> uh, if you're watching on TV, right now you'll see behind Barker's head. The content on this USB drive matches something, something, something. Remove the drive and the system will reboot. So does that, that means if we remove you, you're going to reboot, mm. right? I kind of figured Sometimes. you were a bit of a robot anyway. Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Um, yeah, that's if you're watching on TV. If you're listening to us on the radio or podcast, it really doesn't, doesn't matter. Care. It doesn't cares. matter. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It was a quick change over today. We uh, took over from uh, the uh, basketball like the basketball guys after uh, they jumped on to uh, take care of the news of the Raptors' new the Raptors' new head coach. Now all they got to do is get themselves some players, and they'll be good. Superstar. That's the Nuggets. Oh, congrats, by the way, as a, uh, as a, as a resident of Denver. You Absolutely. should take I'll it. I'll take it. You should take it. Congratulations about, on your uh, on your time. Nuggets winning. It it's took a time. Canadian to win it for him, but that's all right. Well, he helped out a lot. Yeah, they're pretty good, actually. Oh. They're pretty good. Have a superstar. Yeah. You need that in basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't, you're going to go around in circles all the time. Speaking of going around, <laughs> speaking of going around in circles, uh, the Jays will take on the Baltimore Orioles tonight. The first of three games. They've made a ton of roster moves, as we anticipated, uh, with the return to health of Danny Jansen. He has been reinstated. Adam Simber's been placed on the paternity list. Brandon Belt's been placed, and I just figure that based on what happened to Adam Simber the last start, somebody's going to... You know, but anyhow, the last outing, he's on the paternity list. Brandon Belt's been placed on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to June 11th with left hamstring inflammation. So there goes your, there goes your cleanup hitter. No, 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 no. That's the three-hole hitter. Anyhow, your three-hole hitter. Uh, We mentioned Danny Jansen has been reinstated. Ernie Clement's been recalled from AAA Buffalo. He'll be active for tonight's game. Whatever. Bowden. Bowden Francis has been recalled from AAA like Buffalo. Him. He'll be active for tonight's game. Tyler Heineman's been optioned to AAA Buffalo. I really liked him. Because apparently he can do things he can do things like bunt, pay attention to the game plan, work with pitchers. Wear it. He can do Go all down. that stuff. That Enjoy the, those bus rides. The, the Jays clearly have way too much of. So I guess Nathan Lucas is, uh, I mean. Boy. Yeah. Well, you got to protect those guys that can't play in the outfield every single I'll tell night. you what. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you too. Anyhow, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get upset about Tyler Heineman You're being trying to triple A buff. You're I trying just, to, you know, anyhow, whatever. Who helps you win games? That's all I ask. Who, who has hey, Tyler Heineman helped you win more games in the four days? He was up here than Nathan Lucas has in three years that's or not, two years or however many fault. years. Well, no, but the Blue Jays. Anyhow, I'm not going to get upset about Boy, Tyler Heineman. I'm not going to get upset about him. So Danny Jansen's back. Uh, Bowden Francis. That would indicate that he's likely he's going starting. to get the start for Alec Manoa. And, you know, why not? John Schneider will join us later on in the show. And one of the, I know one of the things John's talked about in the past couple of days, everybody got really excited, and me too, about Trevor Richards, uh, his performance as an opener. But the state of the Jays' bullpen right now, the fact of the matter is Trevor Richards could help you win two games in a five-day span as a reliever. Yeah. And I think he's instead more important opener. that way instead of an opener. Mm-hmm. And I, hey, listen, I saw enough from Bowden Francis. I'll let him have a go at it. What the hell? 98 with a breaking ball? Why not? What's give wrong me, with that? Give me four and two thirds innings, kiddo. What could go wrong against Texas? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyhow, those are your uh, Jays moves. Have not seen a lineup yet. 
Secret. I've not seen the lineup it's yet. A secret. Well, I think they were waiting to see whether uh, Brandon Belt passed all. Who's hitting cleanup? You think? Oh, I don't know, Kevin. <laughs> I can't wait to find out, though. Don't be that way. Oh, the oh, lineup's out Twitter. now on Twitter. Thank goodness there, for Twitter. Thank God for Twitter. Where would we be without it? Probably be a whole hell of a lot happier. Uh, Blue Jays, Blue Jays. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, here we go. So it's Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Chapman, Merrifield in the five hole. Varsho, Kirk, DHing, Jansen behind the plate. Kiermaier back in the lineup in center field. And Chris Bassett uh, on the mound for the Jays. And, uh, Jansen and Kirk. I thought Kirk, he kind of did an okay job with Jansen the last. It was with Bassett, you mean? Or with Bassett the last time. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I guess it doesn't matter. He's going to call the game anyhow. So they are. Kirk's bat is in the lineup as a DH. Um, Guerrero's hitting third. Bichette's hitting second. Springer first. And uh, Chapman. That's because Vladdy's hitting over 300 against Kramer with four homers and six RBIs in his career. So you're t- yeah. your, your fingers crossed. Well, maybe, Little big boy. Maybe it gets him left going. Left the Rogers Center can finally hit a ball in the seats. Maybe it gets him going. Fingers crossed. Maybe it gets him going. I can't even do that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that I is odd. I have to force it. That's odd. It is odd. That's actually kind of disturbing that you can't cross your fingers. Don't overthink it. That's almost as disturbing as the time Pedro Martinez showed me how he can bend all his fingers back in his hand. Oh, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Bends all his fingers like back, flat like that. Just weird. Do things that change up. (laughs) Anyhow. Yep. Uh... So there you go. Those are the lineup moves, or I should say the roster moves. Uh, We're going to be joined uh, at 5.30 by Denny Boucher and a special guest. It is a Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame induction weekend. Denny Boucher will be one of those inducted, and it'll be a good time if you've got, if if you're looking for something to do on Saturday, go out to St. Mary's. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Jesse Barr, there's a bunch of guys out Mm -hmm. there, pardon me, a bunch of guys being inducted. We'll run through the names later. But uh, Denny Boucher will join us. And he was, it, people will remember him as a guy that the Jays signed as a free agent. And this is before Canadians were eligible for the baseball draft. And I remember, because I was covering the Expos, the absolute, can't say the word storm, in Quebec when Denny Boucher signed with the Blue Jays instead of the Expos. Mm. Like, it was, you know, the list of baseball. This is before Russ Martin. The list of baseball players that come out of Quebec wasn't that long. Here you had the Montreal Expos. Here you had a dude who was a left-handed pitcher, and he ended up signing with the Blue Jays instead, instead of the Expos. I mean, it was a thing. It was the thing. And then, of course, eventually in 1993, he ended up with the Expos. Pitched well down the stretch for a, a really good team. Uh, we'll talk to Denny about that and, and kind of go back over that whole thing, signing with the Blue Jays and, and just the... I cannot stress what a big deal it was in Quebec when that happened. And when Denny Boucher finally made his debut for the Expos in 1993, 40,000 people at Olympic Stadium. He was warming up in the bullpen. And it was like, you know, have you seen pictures of the old days in baseball where the cameramen, the dudes taking photos were right at home plate? Yep. Swear to God, 
there was like it, he was completely surrounded by photographers. It was, I mean, that's the, cool. Every TV station went live. Uh, RDS interviewed his parents before the game. They had cameras following him and every following him everywhere. When the national anthem was played, he he was he was sitting in an area behind the dugout in a in, in kind of a hallway behind the dugout at Olympic Stadium with the towel over his head. Like it was the anyhow. We'll talk to Denny about that, and we've got we managed to pull up some uh, some clips of that day. Uh, French language RDS play by play RDS commentary. Awesome. I think Denny Casavant. I think it's Danny Casavan and Roger Brulot uh, who had the voices of it. Anyhow, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Danny Boucher jo- joins us. I mentioned uh, Joe. Uh, I mentioned uh, John Schneider and uh, Tim Britton, senior writer at the Athletic, will join us at six thirty. The Subway Series tonight between the Yankees and Mets. The massively disappointing Something's Mets got to give. Something's got to give. It does. And all I know is mm. Hank Steinbrenner, Yankees owners, all over the New York papers today saying everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Till the Yankees lose two in a row to the Mets. What Pit- happens then? What are the pitching matchups in that series? Uh, Severino and Scherzer. Yeah, and, and Cole and Cole Verlander. And Doesn't get much better than that. Absolutely. Uh, anyhow, so we've got the Orioles tonight. We spent a lot of time talking about the Orioles uh, yesterday, Kevin. They're 41 and 24. Uh, they are the, in, in second place in the Yale East. I think we all agree they're not going away. I think we all agree that, if anything, they're a team that could get a, a, a lot better at the trade deadline. We'll see. I mean, they're gonna, if they get Cedric Mullins back, they're automatically going to be better. I mean, they better. could, but will they? That's, what, that's the big question. I mean, obviously they could. I mean, they got tons to give up to get whatever they want. Yeah. But will they? That's the question. Well, we don't. We we haven't so seen this. We haven't seen this general manager, no. Mike Elias, be in a position where he has to make a move that um is there pressure for him to do it is the question see that ties into a bunch of things because we really don't have a handle on what's happening with the orioles ownership uh it it seems as if the drama around that ownership has has kind of has kind of settled i haven't looked at the orioles attendance lately but i know that their season ticket base season ticket sales were an issue pre-sales were a big issue for that team yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the payroll suggests they should be able to do something, and I, I mean, God bless them. They're in they're in such a good situation right now they that are. none of those dudes are gonna. You're not going to be in a crisis situation like crisis situation. You're not going to be in in a contractual situation like the Jays are with Vladdy and Bo for at least another yeah. year with that organization. Two years. You got time to figure out uh, to figure out where you're going. Um, yeah, they are. I said, man, I, I would. I, Maybe it's a wait and see thing, right up to the last minute, right? Well, you have to you have to wait and see where you think you're at in the division. Do you have a chance of winning that? The the the, Those the are big question. Right? We had Rock Kabatka on yesterday. Yeah. And one of the things he said is, you have to decide. Okay, is is our window of opportunity here right now? It's a great question. And what does that mean? Now, does that mean we're good enough? that we can make the playoffs and lose in the first round? Well, if that's the case, do you really want to go out and roll the dice on a rental? Or does that mean we're good enough that we can legitimately expect to win a round and go on? And I don't know about you, but from what I've seen so far, they got the bullpen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the lineup. Mm. 
I I mean, I think the lineups. They got some youth in there who well, are still trying to find their way. But yeah, I agree with but you. But if they if they make the decision where they need they they do need. I think they need a big a guy. Arm. I think they need a to guy. To match up against somebody else's a guy. Exactly. And they don't have that. They don't have that right no. now. But then the question it is. It costs you, though. I was going to say, if you're the Orioles, do you say, okay, what is a guy? Is that uh, going out and trading for a Chris Bassett type guy? I mean, I'm not saying the Jays are going to trade Baber. Chris Bassett, but a guy like that. Or are we talking somebody else's number three start? Like, that doesn't do it. For it me. doesn't do it What's for me. What's the point? Either. Keep what you got. Exactly. You if run, you, run your bullpen. If you got there. a chance to add a Shane Bieber or a guy that I would really keep an eye on, if you can add a dude like Lucas Giolito, if you can zero in on the White Sox, because the White Sox need, they need to change a ton of things about that team. They need to add some position players and, and they've got some pitchers. If you zero in on the White Sox and you've got, well, their strength is their pen. Players. Maybe you wow. add to your pen. Maybe you get a veteran guy in there who could pitch an eighth inning. A Liam Hendricks guy. Well, why not? I mean, he'd be excited to come over there and be a part of that and trying to make a decent run. Are they good enough to beat the big-time teams? Eh, go on the road and do that, right? Muscle against muscle. I'm not sure. That's where youth probably will show up. Right. But they're very athletic. They play defense. They run the bases, right? They have, a, you know, a borderline great bullpen. It's just, what do you do? When do you do it? Like, those are big-time questions for a team that's going to be legit in the American League East for the next three or four years just because of the athleticism they have. Do you want to screw that up? That's a the, uh, tough call. The Jays, of course, have uh, they were swept by the Orioles in their three-game series at the Rogers Center last month. Uh, both of those, two of those losses, I should say, the last two losses were in extra innings. Uh, they've actually had pretty good success at Camden Yards, 17 and seven over the last 24 visits. They averaged 7.3 runs a game, the 0.56 run differential. Um, you know, it, it's, you mentioned Guerrero, Guerrero's Guerrero loves hitting, loves hitting at Camden Yards, 43, 43 hits at Camden Yards, the second most in a road park. Fenway Park is his most 49. The is back. <laughs> yeah. Stay like, hot, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Springer. I mean, they, they've got some guys who got some pretty good numbers against uh, against the Orioles in the past. This is a different Orioles team, though. I went Oppo in Camden Yards when I was fifteen in the summer league with aluminum bat. Oppo. Think Vladdy's trying to do that there? Mm. That's the thing, right? It's you move the fences back, you change things. You're you're trying to do. It's a lot going on for Vladdy right now. That's. That's the big thing. Dean Kramer, he has success, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the last time he faced him in Toronto, it was the sinker away, the the backdoor sinker, the cutters away, right? You tunnel two pitches, one goes one way, one goes the other, and it's the elevated four-seamer away, right? Can he lay off of some of those, force it on the plate, stay up the middle the other way? It's a lot to ask. Like, I just don't – I don't know right now what the approach is for him. I think you got to simplify it and almost ask if you're – uh, the the hitting coach after he gets out you when he walks by you you sort of pull him over to the side and go hey why'd you swing at that? And that that's as simple as you have to make this to have graduation to good things consistently that you're not seeing every single day from Vladdy so they're gonna need him I mean if they're gonna make a decent run at this thing and and think they're gonna uh, to you know make a wild card spot or even dream about winning the American League East which that may be done but. Vladdy's going to have to do some things, and hopefully it starts with a guy he has success off of. Let's talk about Chris Bassett tonight. Uh, an extra day, I believe. 
Uh, they had the off day yesterday. Yeah, it's an extra extra day from coming off that eight inning outing uh, against the Houston Astros. Uh, that was his tenth quality start of the year. It's tied with Kevin Gossman in terms of quality starts. What do you expect from from Chris Bassett with that extra day? Well, you got to figure the team, the 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 guys he's <clears> facing. You know, it's righty lefty, righty lefty, or lefty righty lefty, righty lefty righty, and and most of the lefties in there are doing well. So you, that sort of bodes the cutter and the sinker. Right, he'll try and go down and away with the sinker. He'll throw enough up and in cutters. Got to be a little unpredictable against the lefties with two strikes. It's the elevated four seamer. It's the slow breaking ball. It's the back foot slider. It's the change up with movement. Dare I say he throws some more split fingers, right? And they never, they haven't faced him this year. Element of surprise, right? I mean, how how do you adjust to all the change in speeds? That's the one thing. So if he can do that, I th- he's the least of their worries. Going into Baltimore, I believe, just because he's a veteran guy and, you know, he's going to add and subtract. He'll throw enough strike ones. He'll be unpredictable, like I said, with the two-strike thing. He'll throw enough strikes with seven, eight, or nine of those pitches to make six or seven of them relevant, which is what he has to do. You got to throw them for strikes. You got to have some quality strikes in there. He'll be fine, I think. Gunnar Henderson is leading off for the Orioles tonight. It'll be his third game in a row leading off. He's Five for ten since being moved into the leadoff mm-hmm. spot. Adley Rushman is hitting second. You've got Santander, O'Hearn, Hayes, Hicks, Fraser, Urias, Mateo. And as you mentioned, yeah, Dean you see Green what they pitching. did. Henderson's hot. O'Hearn's hot. Hicks is hot. Urias is hot. So you got depth you got throughout that. your lineup, and you have to throw all different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like Henderson, you got to go up and in with the cutter. You got to go down and away with the changeup. You got to get ahead with a slow breaking ball. Like you got to do some things to get him out front. He's young, but he does have holes. He's left-handed. He's he's got a natural little uppercut. He's got the little leg kick. You got to do different things. O'Hearn is sort of up the middle the other way guy. That you have to crowd him. You know, you might have to go away with some things. He inside out some balls. So, you got to pitch every single one of these guys differently, but you got to be careful. So you you're sort of nat- navigating through, you know, some of the guys who are not hitting very well right now to when you do get to the guys that are hitting well, at least you don't have to be as fine. Maybe if you give up a homer, it's a solo shot, right? The, so the idea of Gunnar Henderson facing Chris Bassett, I, this is a matchup that, that, I mean, it intrigues me because Henderson's a young hitter. He's one of their, he's one of their bright young stars. He has not had his, his transition to the major certainly hasn't been as smooth as Adley Rushman's. Not that, we may not see that for a while yet, but he is coming off a game where he hit a 462 foot home run on the on the Utah Street. It's just that matchup intrigues me because of what Bassett is, how he pitches, and where Henderson yeah, is. Yeah, if I'm right Gunner, I'm I'm worried about a slump. That, that's that's what I'm worried about. Okay, explain well, that. This explain is a guy. So Bassett is sort of a little like a knuckleball guy. He's rare. You don't, pitches. See, you don't, and you don't see a dude that can go from sixty nine to ninety four. All of them are strikes. Yeah, all of them are in quadrants of the strike zone. It's not like I can. This is what I tell you all the time. It's not like you can stand on the on deck circle, which he's leading off, and have mm-hmm. your at bat there and think, okay, I'm going to split it in half. I'm going to pull it. I'm going to go the other way. You can't really do that because sixty nine, ninety four. It's all up in there, and he can get called strikes with all of those eight or nine pitches that he throws, depending on if he throws his split finger. This for a young guy is one of those starts where you, 
Are don't you, overthink it. Maybe crowd the plate. Maybe scoot closer to him. Are you going up and are, are you going to be am. aggressive? First pitch? Uh, well, I mean, that's sort of why they're putting him in the leadoff spot. Is when they had him down in the order, he would take some more pitches. He right. would walk, right? He would have, you know, the eight pitch out, which, you know, the khakis just utter oozing. Boy, they just love that stuff. But now they want him because the, of I think talent. it's the eight pitch walk. They like, I'm not certain they like the eight pitch out. They'd rather have the eight pitch out than the six pitch out, but I think they'd. Okay. Well, I mean, people I've talked to, I think they like both. All right. But I think it's more of. You saw, you saw. I am wearing khakis yeah, today, by the way. Which is amazing. Like, yeah, you just I didn't did. think that through, did you? <laughs> of course I did. I wear khakis as often as I can around you, just because I know it, it bugs you. Over khakified. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, yes. But it, it is, uh, it's, it'll be an intriguing little, you know, in-game kind of thing of how Bassett attacks a young guy who can obviously hit velocity, who's feeling frisky, who likes the ball in a certain area. You're trying to get him out front. You're trying to get a quick out because you know he's very aggressive. You know, it's sort of that veteran youth. You know, he's hot. How do I pitch to him? How do you be careful? I mean, for me, Bo, he he's screaming up and in with cutters, slow breaking balls, maybe early in counts, change-ups down and away. You might throw him a, a, a two-seamer feeding off a change-up. It's sequencing, right? You just don't fall into some kind of pattern that they can sort of have better at-bats against. That's, I mean, if I'm Gunner, I'm, th- oh, I'm not probably thinking that, but you're, you know, if you're around that team, you're thinking this is probably not the best guy for him to face just because he's hot right now. You like to keep him hot. Run into guys like this. Sometimes they're tough. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. You know, we're not fans of saying it's a big series. I am. But um, I think I said like three weeks ago when, I mean, when uh, Gosman was pitching his biggest game of the season. Mm. So I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, the Jays are 6-15 and 15 against teams in the East this year. Yeah. That's the worst among all AL East mm-hmm. teams, um, which is last year. I mean, last year they, they, they played 567 baseball inside the division. That was the second best winning percentage within the division. Um, six and 15. You can't, you can't go one and two in this series. I mean, you might. What are you saying? Seven and 17. Now you're going to be 10 games under 500 in your division. What are you saying? Biggest three games of the season? Biggest series of the season? I mean, it almost, it almost is. I mean, I thought Where the Astros in the rotation, but I, but I thought the Astros series was going was was going to be it, the biggest series of the season until the Twins came in and took two of three. Yeah, I mean that's where we are with this team. Though. Absolutely, that's exactly where we are with this mm-hmm. team. Um, that's boy, that's too many valleys, not enough peaks right now, right? It's that's it's a the, stark number, and, it, and again because of the schedule, you just don't have. You're not seeing the the Yankees and the Rays again until <laughs> you're not seeing them again until September. So your chances of going head to head against those dudes. Well, I know if you talk to John, it's about winning series. But occasionally, you'd like to sweep a series on the road against a team in your division, right? Yeah. That's that's sort that's Absolutely. sort of what you're trying to. do. It's not going to be easy. I, I mean, the the Orioles are you're you're going to have to do everything right. Do you think they can do that? Like strike one, like being efficient with two strikes, like catching the ground balls are supposed to catch, like throwing to the right base from the outfield. I kind of like I'm that because they've been this. doing that all the time. Like Vladdy getting a big hit in a big moment late in the game. You I'm, think that's going to happen, right? I'm, How much are they going to miss Brandon Belt? You know Who what? Who can step up after? Well, I mean, it's true. 
You don't like to hear it. You know, hold your hand over your ears. It's true. Like they, he's sort of been one of the guys. That's why they brought him here to hit cleanup. So you didn't see Varsho doing it. You know, when I was in spring training and you asked me that, I wasn't just making that up because I talked to people. I thought you were, but well, do I ever, when do I do that? Uh, Well, no, not, not especially. It's rare, but, uh, there's a lot of things. I, I, just, a lot I, of things. I, I like, you know how I feel about this. I got a $274 million payroll and I'm moaning that I don't have Brandon Belt. Yeah, you know, five year ago, Brandon Belt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you wouldn't, you I mean, wouldn't, well, you wouldn't hmm. be doing that if, if, if George Springer was a little bit more consistent offensively, if Vladimir Guerrero yeah, Jr. Know, was whatever, if Matt Chapman wasn't, you know, was a somewhat of April. Maybe it's a good Matt time. Chapman. Maybe it's a good time for this team to have nine games on the road. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I think they got to just got to get away. You got not three have to answer. Here. Yeah, not you have to answer questions Texas, for, right? to Jeff Blair and well, they, everybody else. Then you got the Marlins. I mean, you are going to get, you know, you are going to get some decent pitching out there. Uh, against Texas and the Marlins, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, I, I mean, again, Vladdy. I mean, I hate hate bringing this up, but Vladdy hasn't hit a home run at the Rogers and Center. It, and then I will say, you, then after that road trip, you have Oakland for three, San Fran for three, Boston for three, the White Sox for three, Detroit for three, and then the All Star break. Like you got a little room right there if you can get through this. You got three, six, nine. Say you go, dare I say, six and three. And then you come home against those three, six, nine, 12, 15 games and go 10 and five. Now you're cooking with gravy. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, then, then you got, what is that? What did I just say it was? That's 16 and, worry, do, 16 you, and you eight. You don't cook with, uh, someone that pointed out to me, tell Kevin, you no, don't listen. cook with gravy. Well, I do. So don't worry about what I cook okay. with. How's that? All tell right. that person. That's just saying. Huh? People are thinking, what do you do? Yeah. Do you cook your and, vegetables and 16 gravy? 16 and eight. 16 and eight, okay, before the All-Star break? Yeah. 16 more wins? You think these think these guys can go 16 and 8? I wouldn't have said it if I didn't think they could. That's the point. A 6 and 3 on this uh, road trip. I said 6 and 3. Am I am I out punting the coverage here? What? <laughs> Do you know. think? I don't know. 2 or 3 against these dudes. You'd think you got to add a sweep in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I don't like your chance. I mean, two and three. Two, I mean, you're taking all three series that way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a – this is sort of where they're at, though. They backed themselves into a corner by having a little bad stretch. Now you're going to have to shoot for the moon. Me? Six and three, ten and – ten and – what I say? Ten five. and five. There <laughs> it is. Well, you all just right. ain't buying in, are you? Well, I'm optimistic. I'm I am optimistic. No, I am optimistic. I am optimistic. I just I let me get through this series first, then then determine my optimism level. Because hmm. Texas scores a ton of runs. Yeah, and you know, and Miami's pitching, just good hitting. And Miami Miami loves to play close games. Wow, they play close games really well. Anyhow. Uh the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame will induct its class of 2023 <laughs> this weekend. So I, when you said play close games, I just, that's what I, you know, it's it's the Twitter world hating John Snyder all over again. Well, I did in not. In those close games. That, that's what I was thinking when you said that. I because that's not what I meant. Going to Adam Simber and uh, we, that's what we we're talked, talking about. We talked to John about that. That's, that's what we're talking about. Well, that's what thing. you're talking about, sort of, is when close games come around. Because they do most of the things 
leading up to whatever that move is most of the time, right. So it's that move, right, that you have to do right on the road against teams that play close games. Yeah, That's I, all I'm saying. I, I think, though, that the fact that you've got we think the fact that you now got Trevor Richards back in the bullpen, which is good. The fact that you saw Nate Pearson do what Nate Pearson did. I, I think a lot of things, put it this way, I think a lot of things have to happen before Adam Simber pitches in a situation like that again. And, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, think, a lot of, I, think, I think a lot of things, Can't afford I think to a lot of things have to happen. Times. And, um, you know, what they really, they, they need... They need another. They need to see some of those bullpen arms at AAA. They need to see some of that start start percolating up a little bit. I think and you need you need to have one more guy because eventually you're going to have to trade. Eventually you're going to have to trade for a reliever. We know that you're going to have to make. It's one of the three things you got to do if you're the Blue Jays at the trade deadline. Uh, if things three stay th- the way they three are, three things. Three things. Wow. Um, you you got to definitely got to add another bat. And I think oh. you've got to add you've got to add another reliever and 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 then. I mean, let's let's see where Alec Manoa is at that time. Much. Are you? Well, hey, I'm, I'm dude. I'm rolling out a 270 million dollar payroll. Well, I'm going to stop now. 270, 274 is okay. 280 isn't. Like, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to you're going to have to do some heavy lifting here. Uh, mm. But but my point is, I I would imagine that if one of those AAA arms comes good, I think maybe you'll see you'll end up seeing Adam Simber. Uh, moved out, but I lied. Tim Candles. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductions of this weekend before Barker <laughs> took me away from my. Uh, it from works every time. Denny Boucher is part of the induction class. He's going to join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Jays manager John Schneider joins us from Baltimore at the top of the hour. The Jays getting ready to take on the Orioles in the first of three games. The 7.05 first pitch. Chris Bassett on the mound for the Blue Jays. Dean Kramer on the mound for the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, the game can be heard right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and uh, on the Sportsnet family of television stations. Um, and a reminder that Thursday's game, got to remind you, Thursday's game is a uh, an afternoon start. I think it's going to be hot. 105. Baltimore, <laughs> holy moly. Hotter, hotter. Baltimore in July or Florida in July? Closer I, than people I, would think. I eh? think Baltimore. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. I played in both. I would I would think Baltimore. For for whatever reason, it's just, you, you just hot. can't, you can't get out of it. Like it's, you got, you're trying, but you just can't. Uh, yeah, and the press box is air conditioning. The press box, is, no, the, oh, pre- the press crazy. box is low, and it it's it's just it's, it's a thing you have to plan for when you're yes. a baseball player. Yeah, yeah, which is never good. No, it <laughs> no, isn't. No, it's never good. <laughs> you have to plan for it. <laughs> no, get hydrated. Uh, you do. 
Um, anyhow, so 7.05 will be the first pitch tonight right here on Sportsnet 590, mm-hmm. a fan of Sportsnet. I mentioned that uh, this weekend is a big weekend for baseball in Canada. It is induction weekend, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame uh, in St. Mary's, Ontario, is inducting the class of 2023. That includes Rich Harden, a uh, former major league pitcher, which is... <laughs> He broke into the game just nasty. He might be one of those guys who threw too hard for his for his body. Uh, there's a lot of those, but you could be right. <sighs> yeah, he was something else. Yep. Um, and uh, Jesse Barfield. Cool. You know, you have the, anytime you have the argument about right field arm, who had the best right field arm in baseball? Uh, Jesse's name is in that is in that discussion. Uh, there's been some really good right fielders to play to play in 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 Canada. Whether you're talking about Larry Walker or whomever, uh, Joe Wishar is a longtime baseball executive and coach from Manitoba. Um, went to school with his three kids in Morden. The uh, ballpark is named after him. The entire complex is named after him in Morden. If you played baseball in Manitoba from I want to say like 1972 to 1990, you probably played for uh, Joe Wisher. He coached provincial teams. I think he co- I'm pretty certain he coached me at one point. Really? I'm pretty certain he coached me at one <laughs> you point. You don't remember? He coached everybody. <laughs> I mean, he coached, I mean, the town, the town of like 4,000 yeah. people yeah. in it. So chances That's were pretty awesome, good. Though. Although I got to admit, like, I was thinking about this. Huh. I actually called my mom and I was trying to figure it out. He coached the town team, which meant you had to be good to be in the team. So oh, chances yeah. are pretty yeah, good that you weren't good. it didn't work. Well, but okay. anyhow, but uh, he's going in. And, it, I mean, it's guys like Joe Wishar that kind of in, in every community that make baseball work, uh, no that make baseball work in this country and, and everywhere. And last but not least, uh, in addition to the 2020 class, John Olerud and Jacques Doucette will be, uh, will be honored as well. Uh, they weren't able to make it up. For the past couple of years, Richard Milo is going in uh, French language reporter from Press uh, Press Canadien, which is the French language version of Canadian Press. And hopefully, at his during his speech, somebody will ask him why they call him Downtown Milo, and uh, why. Anyhow, it's probably it, it's a it's a story better told by uh, Downtown than myself. Uh. Uh, also going in. Uh, our next guest, Denny Boucher. Um, and, uh, I mean, Denny Boucher, one of four players and pitchers to pitch or play for both the Blue Jays and the Montreal Expos. Um, he, boy, I was just, I was looking at Denny's number. He had a 10-year career. Uh, he pitched, as I mentioned, for the Blue Jays and the Expos. Uh, he was with Cleveland for a while. Uh, he was uh, selected by the Rockies in the expansion draft, traded to San Diego, and then traded from San Diego to Montreal. And uh, very pleased to be joined now by Denny Bushi. Denny, thanks for joining Kevin and myself. Congratulations. Uh, we've got a little surprise for you in a few minutes. But I wanted to, before we talk about that day in Montreal where you and Joe Siddle combined uh, to form a Canadian battery, uh, Larry Walker was in right field that day. It was September 6, 1993. It was not a gimme. It was against Colorado. The Jays were about to start a run that would take them to within three games of first place. But before we talk about that, I, I wanted to talk to you about the decision to sign with the Blue Jays because I remember being in Montreal, covering baseball in Montreal, that that was almost a scandal because here was a, a, a guy from Lachine 
uh, you know, Ed, everybody in Quebec knew about you. You ended up signing with the Blue Jays. Just tell us, tell us about that that story, how that came about. Well, um, I guess the the Blue Jays showed uh, more interest. Uh, they made me uh, feel like um, I would, um, you know, I would be a good player in their uh, organization. That I, I had a chance to uh, to move up and uh, and make it to the big leagues. Um, uh, Pat Gaelic came and uh, and saw me. Uh, not just once, not just twice. He came. Uh, he came a lot of times. He spoke with my uh, family. Uh, spoke with me. Uh, the scouts were uh, were around, and they uh, they made me uh, feel special. You know, uh, obviously, I wanted to sign with the Expos. I thought I was going to sign with the Expos, but uh, they were, they never uh, they didn't show that much uh, in- interest at that time. Uh, well, we've got somebody who wants to jump in in the conversation right now. And uh, before we do that, I'm just going to play a little a little clip we found from uh, RDS. And I think it's our friend Denny Castavan and Roger Brulot, of course, would be in the area as well. Just if you can play that clip, Andrew, then we're going to bring our uh, special guest in to, to say hi to uh, Denny. Yeah, that was 40,000 people. That that was awfully loud, I'm sure, Denny. That's uh, the, the day you remember. It was uh, a Canadian battery starting, as I mentioned, in a pretty significant game. The other half of that battery joins us now from Baltimore, Joe Siddle, who caught Denny Boucher that day. Joe, thanks for doing this, man. I know we're up against the clock. You got a TV game to get ready for, but just wanted you to say hi to Denny and congratulate him. And, 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 and before he lets you run, tell us what your memory is of that day. Felicitation, Denny. <laughs> hey, thanks, Houston boy. <laughs> it was it was such an exciting day, guys. When I think back, and I, I'm going to guess that if you were to have a chance to speak to Larry Walker about this, we were taking some back deep back seats to Mr. Boucher. This was Denny's day. It right. was absolutely electric in that place. I remember we were signing baseballs and things before the game, just memorabilia type stuff. And when I came out of the dugout, out of the clubhouse, into the, through the tunnel and into the dugout to head out about 20, 30 minutes before game time, the place was just erupting. Cameras everywhere, reporters everywhere. It was just loaded. And they were just going nuts for Denny. It was fantastic. And uh, I think, you know, for Larry and I, we got to play the backseat a little bit. But it was a great day because we all kind of made a contribution. I mean, I knew Denny was going to pitch well. You knew Larry was going to do something. But I actually had a decent day, I think, too. And, you know, Jeff, I, we've talked over this many years as a catcher and defensively. If you can catch a game back there, you've done your job. And uh, I think, you know, Denny and I worked pretty well together that day. Yeah, it was. Uh, and Denny, uh, you know, how important was it for you to, you know, significant was it for you to have Joe catch that game as well? You also had, of course, Pierre Arsenault, friend of ours, uh, warm up in the bullpen. And you had Larry Walker as well. Like it was uh, 40,000 people. And as I said, you guys went on. I think the Expos went on a seventeen and eight run that year, and uh, I mean, you were you went three and one. You had an ERA of one ninety five in, in five starts down the stretch. Like this wasn't just a gift, right? You guys went out and 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 won the game four three. It was a it was an important win. Yeah, it was it was great to have Joe back there because we had uh, had pitched to him so much and uh, we knew each other. Um, 
uh, very well. So he knew what I wanted to throw, uh, and uh, he put the right fingers down. And I, I was able to uh, execute with uh, what he uh, wanted me to do. So it's just great. Yeah, and uh, we had well, we did have a great team. You know, same same team that uh, came back the following year in uh, the '94 team. That was uh, pretty much the best team in ba- in baseball uh, when the strike happened. So um, uh, that team. Um, yeah, the team was great, and uh, uh, you just had to keep uh, keep the ball club in, in the game for the first five innings, and uh, and the bullpen did the rest. Joe, we're going to let you scoot, man. Just wanted you to give thanks, a chance Joe. to say goodbye to uh, to Denny, and really appreciate you uh, joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Hey, have a good one, Joe. Hey, Denny, have a great weekend. Congrats again, brother. Yeah, Be good. Thanks. Thank you very much, Joe Stittle, who'll have the call of the game tonight with Dan Schulman from Baltimore. Kevin, I'll turn it over to you. Hey, yeah, Dan, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. I was just wondering, you know, through all those times early on, how do you get through it when you're that nervous? I can remember what when, you know, my first time being called up and, and how nervous I was and how hard it was to get through it. And, you know, it's sort of like when you walk to the box, everything up to the point where, because I was a hitter, when I walked to the box and I saw the first pitch, everything sort of eased and everything was okay. It was everything before that. How did you get through it? Well, uh, I always uh, tell people I was lucky uh, that day was a, a one o'clock game, an afternoon game, because if it would have been a, a night game, uh, too much, way too much time to think about it. So uh, I tried to get up uh, a little later that day, uh, which I didn't. Uh, <laughs> had a, went and had a big, uh, good, uh, big uh, breakfast and um, with some friends, and then head over, uh, head over to the ballpark right away. And uh, it, it's funny, I was just in a in a bubble that day, you know. It's like nothing, nothing else around would uh, would bother me. I was just in my bubble, and I, I didn't see the all the people in the stands until uh, I came out of the game. You know, it, it was just. Um, it was just unbelievable. Now, you made your Major League debut for the Jays on April 12, 1991 at the Skydome, now the Rogers Center. You started against the Brewers, the first three hitters you faced. This is pretty good. Uh, Molotar, mm-hmm. Yount, and wow. Gary Sheffield. Welcome to the big leagues. <laughs> yes, Welcome to the big hot. leagues, kid. <laughs> what, what was the difference between your Major League debut, Denny, and that game in Montreal? Well, um, yeah, the debut was uh, was awesome, you know, facing uh, Molitor and Yount and, and Sheffield in that first inning uh, <laughs> was crazy uh, when you look back. Um, that first game, uh, well, it's it's your first big league game, right? So, uh, of course, you're you're nervous. You're going in, you don't know what to expect. And uh, I did uh, a few things that... Um, uh, like a rookie pitcher uh, did, you know. Uh, there's a. I remember Willie Randolph later, and he, he was batting eighth in the lineup, and uh, like two and zero oh and three and one, and I'm throwing him uh, change ups instead of just trying to let him hit it, you know. And uh, uh, stuff that worked in the minor leagues and then it doesn't work in the big leagues, you know. So um, uh, obviously, the game in Montreal had two more years of uh, experience, so. Uh, uh, I was much uh, much better in in my head at that at that time at that game, I guess. Denny, uh, Kevin Brown's the best pitcher I ever faced. Who's the best hitter you've ever had to face? Well, I faced some really good ones. You know, I faced yeah. uh, Ripken, and I faced Griffey, and I faced Barry Bonds and Canseco wow. and McGuire. But the one 
The one I had trouble with was Tony Phillips. I couldn't get him out. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, he, uh, uh, he, it was unbelievable. He took me to three and two all the time, and he would fall off uh, like three or four balls, and then uh, at the end of the day, he just hit it, whatever. Hit it fair. Do something. You know, come on. Uh, but uh, now I couldn't get him out. Uh, it was for some reason. I pitched against the Tigers quite a bit uh, in, in the years I was there, and um it was uh, it, it was just him that I uh, I couldn't get out. The other guys uh, faced uh, faced Tony Gwynn uh, and Cecil, big Cecil. He got me a few times, Cecil, but uh, I, I did strike him out a few times too, and I hit him in the ribs. Oh, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, hey, Danny, that that year with the Expos, you, you were 6-0. and You had a 272 ERA and a, I think a dozen appearances, I think six starts for the Lynx. How did you find out that you were being called up to Montreal? Who told you? And did you have a, did you have a sense mm-hmm. as, as the years going on? Because I know that you were getting a lot of coverage in the French language press. Did, did you think it was almost inevitable you were going to be called up? Well, that year was crazy. You know, I, I started in uh, in Las Vegas, and I was just doing terrible. I had a, a plus five ERA, couldn't throw a strike, uh, and I couldn't get anybody out. And then all of a sudden, I uh, I, um, I tried to change my luck, so uh, I made a fire with all my equipment. You know, my shoes, my gloves, my hats, and all, all that stuff. I did this right, right. Uh, Right on the field behind home plate, and then uh, just like magic, a week later I was traded to uh, to Montreal and I went to Ottawa, and then uh, my luck just changed. You know, it's, it's, you hear about it all the time. You get a new start, a fresh start, and then I uh, started in relief the one inning, and uh, I got a one, two, three inning. Then they gave me some starts, and I went six and zero. Oh, so that I said at that point I'm going to get the September call up, and then uh, and then there was. They were trying to trade uh, Dennis Martinez, and then right. they did trade him. You remember, Jeff, right? Yeah. They did trade him to Atlanta, and then he refused the trade. I got called up. I drive to Montreal, and then they say, well, uh, you have to go back because they refused the trade. So I went back to Ottawa, and then I got called back a few days later in September. Uh, tell us what you're doing now to stay involved in the game. I know you're involved with Baseball Canada. You're also involved locally, and I, I believe in Lachine, or certainly in Quebec uh, with baseball. Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still pitching coach of, um, of the, the national team, so when we have tournaments, uh, well, the uh, baseball classic and all the, well, the Olympics, we don't go anymore, but the Pan Am games and all the, that stuff I am. Um, I, I go there and help them out, uh, and I am uh, yeah I am uh, the president of the base the minor baseball association here in Machine, so I help them out with uh, with all the young kids from five to, to twenty five, and I have a bunch of teams and a bunch of players, and uh, uh, it's just fun. I had three boys uh, going through it; uh, they're still playing now, so um, I'm still uh, still involved with them and uh, uh, help them out. Denny, listen, we really appreciate yeah. you joining us today. Thanks so much for uh, playing awesome. along with Siddle. And congratulations, yeah. my friend. Have a Absolutely. great weekend. It's well-deserved. I'm very, very happy great for stuff. you. Great stuff. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Thank you, guys. Take care. That's Denny Boucher and uh, going into the Game Baseball Hall of Fame. I forgot uh, about that story. I mean, I remember Den- Dennis Martinez was traded yeah. to the Atlanta Braves, and I remember running down into the to the uh, parking garage at Olympic Stadium because I knew where Dennis had parked, because Dennis actually lived near where I lived in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. So, 
and actually I got a ride to the ballpark with him a couple of times. There's another story, but anyhow, so I went down and uh, that was different. Those days were different, believe me. So I went down and uh, Dennis's car is still there and his wife Luz is there and the kids are there and they're leaving and I got my notepad out and I want to get a comment from him. He's just going like this and okay, fine. He's and the next day we find out that he's turned down the trade. He did not want to go to the Atlanta Braves who had Maddox. Like they were going to go on and be a World Series team. Sure. He turned down the trade, stayed with the Expos. I mean, it was a big, it was a just, just a huge, huge story. And, uh, you know, Felipe Alou would say later that it was one of the biggest votes of confidence he got. Uh, Dennis just said, no, nah, I like it here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable here, but yeah, I forgot, story. I forgot that Boucher had driven up and yeah. that you're going to make your debut then all of a sudden, or, or your debut with the Expos. No, you got to go down. You got to go down. So, uh, we, yep. we crazy anyhow, stuff. it is crazy. Uh, it's time for between the lines brought to you by bet rivers. It's a whole new game. Tell us, Mr. Armin, what we are going to be, uh, what we're going to be discussing here. All right, fellas, the Jays take on the Orioles tonight. And Bet Rivers has set the line of total runs at nine. So, will the Jays and Orioles combine for more or less than nine runs? I mean, the Jays generally, you know, I'm taking the over here. Oh, I'm taking the over here. Like, I got a feeling it's mm. going to be, you know, I got a feeling it's going to be like eight, two, seven, three. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm taking the over. I'm going to take the under. So it, so it makes it a little bit more fun. The lineup combined for the Orioles against bats that have 15 career at bats. Six of those Adam Frazier has. Not a lot of experience. They haven't faced him this year. That's a big deal. Kramer in five starts between last year and this year has not allowed more than three earned runs in yeah. 29 and the third against the Blue Jays. And Bo Chapman and Springer in their career, 45 combined at bats, only have two RBIs. All right. I'm taking the under. I'm still taking the over. I wish I'd known that before I did that. <laughs> that's, that's why I don't tell you. That's why you have your... I know, you actually you actually do research. I do. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new ball game. When we come back, the manager of the Jays, John Schneider, he joins us. It's Blair and Barker on 59360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Can't believe you actually show up smart for these things. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. We're going to be joined by John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays from Baltimore in a few minutes. 7.05 is the first pitch. Tim Britton of the Athletic will join us from New York. The Subway Series is on it? tonight. Is it a big deal? No. Nah. Yeah, people I, start getting fired, it's a big it, deal. Well, yeah. Then, then How about that? I covered the, a lot of rich people. I covered the World boy. Series between oh. the Mets. I covered the World Series between the Mets and Yankees. You know, the one where Roger Clemens tosses the bat at Mike Piazza. And everybody thought, this is going to be great. This is going to be dramatic. If I'm not mistaken, it was one of the worst rated World Series on television. Because it was just, it was two New York teams. And all four of the starting pitchers in these next two games have coming off of stinkers. Yeah. What's that tell you? Nothing? At all? Given the way those two seasons have gone. 
Uh, I'm not certain. You want yeah. you want to tell a story because <clears throat> we just finished uh, talking to Denny Boucher, yeah, who's yeah. going into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And Denny's story was, now he made his major league debut for the Blue Jays in 91. 93, he was traded to the Expos. I did not know that he burned his uniform behind home plate oh, while he was with Vegas. Spikes. That would be the Padres. By the way, Boucher was part of the deal that brought Tom Candiotti and Turner Ward yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears> to the, the Blue Jays. The uniform's fault. Burn it. Burn the uniform. <laughs> so anyhow, he's in Ottawa. Uh, he gets off the great start, and he would get called up in September. But at the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the Jays or the the Expos make a trade: Dennis Martinez to the Braves. Dennis Martinez turns down the deal. But after Dennis is being traded, Dan Duquette's the GM. They call down to Ottawa. They say, tell Boucher to get up to Montreal because he's going on the roster. So Denny Boucher drives up to Montreal, finds yeah. out the next day that Dennis Martinez has turned down the trade. So he goes back to Ottawa. Now, I want you to tell me, because you yeah, had yeah, kind yeah. of a similar my, story. My, well, my story's not nearly as bad as that. So, so in, in 2000, You didn't have to drive someplace. No, 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 I was in the dugout. So, okay. two, so 2005 with the Syracuse Sky Chiefs. That's I was, a Jays AAA affiliate. It is. I was breaking, and I was in Durham against the, the Rays. That's their AAA team. And Marty Peavy was the manager. And I think the first inning, I, you know, it's easy to go out and... In Durham, like there's some things to do there. So yeah. I had a later night, like you know, I was I was feeling all right. Yeah. So, so my first at bat, I go way up in Durham, like way up back leg city. I'm round the bases, coolest thing. I mean, you know, I'm feeling good. Yeah. So the third had a good night out oh, with the boys. Absolutely. And, 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 I'm feeling and frisky. There's it's nothing better. Then there's nothing better than when you let's face. It, there's nothing better than when you're hung over playing baseball. Well, and you who said good. I was that? Well, I can't. Okay, but I so mean, so I was it's having a good, a good time. I was hitting, you know, hit, play the, hit the middle one. Like, yeah. It's that kind of thing, and it worked. <laughs> hit the middle one. So I, so I was having a really good year in AAA and those kind of things. And Marty Peavy, between innings, about the third inning, comes walking over to me, and I'm like, he's like, you're coming out of the game. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just went deep. I mean, I had a really good night. I'm, I'm hitting a homer. I'm like, I'm having a good season. What are you I mean, talking Jimmy about? Jimmy John's what, happening. Yeah, what's wrong oh, with you? Yeah. He's like, now nah, you're going to the big leagues. I'm like, oh. what are you kidding? No way. So. I take all my uniform off. I take my spikes off. I'm sitting over there. So about the seventh inning rolls around, and Marty Peavy's walking off the field. You know, I'm a cheerleader. I'm a really good cheerleader. Yeah, I'm going to Big League. Check Check John Schneider bigger. was a player in that <laughs> How team. How about that? He was my roommate on the road. Aaron Hill was on that team. Oh, absolutely. So it's a pretty decent team. Yeah. But here comes Marty in the seventh inning. You here comes tell. the manager. He's a Good man. You've met yeah. Marty. He's a, real, he's a really good man. And he looks like he's tearing up, like his lips quivering. And, you know, he's about to have a little cry. And I'm like, what's going on? You know me. Like, yeah. what's going on? I'm feeling nice. I'm sure. like, well, I'm going to the big leagues. And you're but, probably going to make the, a stop before you go to the big leagues at the place I, you were the night before. I, I, and then no, you're going to get no, the point. better in the okay. big league. So, we're, <laughs> so here comes Marty. Marty's like, hey, he pulled me to the side because he didn't <laughs> want to say what he was about to say around people. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, what's going on? Why are you about to cry? You could tell. So I was picking on him. I, yeah. You know, I thought it was something else. So he was like, uh, you know, I told you you're getting caught up in the third inning, and it was the seventh inning. And I was like, he's like, well, I got some bad news. You're not going up now. And I'm like, I thought he was messing with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Until he, if you didn't, know, if you know Marty, he doesn't kid. Like that's no, not part of very, his DNA. Yeah. He's not going to do that. He was about to cry, and sorta he had to deliver the bad news that either you know the Blue Jays and Alex was doing yeah, absolutely. How dare he? He yeah. I mean he was either calling up somebody somebody else, or they changed their mind or whatever. Because I was having a really good season, yeah. right? So just that 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 you know, may have been JP Ricciardi. Maybe. Maybe that's why I don't like him. It could be. Is it 2005? JP was you here? Can bl- you can blame JP. JP gets blamed yeah. for everything. He gets blamed for global so warming. So there's bad stories, right? So I yeah. went from a super high yeah. to going back leg city. Dude, so you got... 
third inning getting called up. You got called seventh up in the third inning, inning and you got sent, sent down. down in the yeah, seventh inning. Yeah, and then Marty said about the ninth inning because we were losing, boy, I wish you could pinch hit. I'm like, what are you talking about? Which obviously I couldn't. He was yeah. joking. But it's just every every little, you know, every guy that spends some time in the minor leagues has their stories. Yeah. It's like burning your uniform, your bat, you're trying to change your luck. I did all those things. You sold your car. I sold my car because I wasn't hitting it. It's the car's fault. Yeah. So you- I know it's a that's sort of a, I don't know if that's a good story, bad story. That's an okay story. That's yeah, a good, it's it's like a good a, baseball story. It is. Like everybody, every. It adds I texture. think everybody has their stories. Yeah, right. I think so. Especially if you play, everybody in the majors, or everybody who's had a major league career that's involved playing time in the minors has probably been screwed over at some point. Probably heard a bad rumor that they were going to get called sure. up. Probably heard they were going to sign someplace else in the offseason that doesn't come around. Probably end up No, I would have been chapped if I would have drove to to Toronto. <laughs> oh, we're just kidding. Turn and, around and go back to Syracuse, boy. And whenever we talk about Barker's playing career, I also have to remind people that his agent was Mark Shapiro's father, Ron. I always just have to remind people Thank that because there you is that, that. Family, for that family tie in there. Sure. Um, let's, uh, let's go to Baltimore, shall we? Let's talk to John Schneider, manager of the Blue Jays. John, thanks so much for joining us from Baltimore. Before we talk about your team in particular, I just want to uh, get your take on the Orioles because I think a lot of people at the start of the year thought, "Eh, nice start. Uh, Eventually, they're going to fade back to the pack a little bit. They've managed to keep it going. Um, They're getting good performances out of some... You know, some some bench guys. Gunnar Henderson may have turned it around a bit. Are you surprised that they are as good as they are now, as fast as they've become good? Um, not, I mean, not really. You kind of saw them turn on the corner with, you know, to me it's clear what makes them good is, or what makes them go is Adley Rushman, both at the plate and behind the plate. And I think, you know, ha- having him, you know, kind of anchor that staff, you look at Gunner, you look at Cedric, you, you know, Mountcastle, Hayes is having a career year who is usually kind of just a platoon guy. Um, you know, Mateo has kind of blossomed into a really good shortstop. You know, they added Adam Frazier. It's a, it's a contact driven lineup that is, can be tough to match up with. So, I mean, I, I think that they've been relatively healthy all year. Um, and I think why they're doing, you know, better than people may have thought is because they're bullpen. You know, they can know they kind of just, you know, found, I think, as a pretty elite setup dude and Bautista at the end. So you got to do a good job of, playing clean and you got to do a good job of getting to their starting pitcher. I, I mean, I don't even know how you would, if, if you can answer this question, but do you think your team realizes how good Baltimore is? It is kind of a funny question. Um, I think we, yeah, we respect the, where they are in the standings and um, you know, I think guys have played with, you know, or against the, this same group for a while now to where they enjoy competing against them and understand that they're, you know, they're pretty talented, you know, as are we. So, um, again, I think that our guys do a good job of, you know, understanding that pretty much every team is, is pretty damn good in the big leagues. Um, and every, every night you got to kind of, you got to bring your A game. So it's, uh, yeah, I would just say that they like competing against them. John, you look, you look at your team, your lineup, and the one name keeps popping out, right? It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. How, how do you get him going again? How do you get him looking like 2021? And you do some digging into his numbers, and the couple of things that pop out is the out-of-the-zone swing percentage and the swing percentage from 
2021 and even last year and this year, those two things are way up. The question would be the obvious question, if it's not mechanical, is how do you sort of correct those two things? And, you know, not so much for him wasting swings and bullets in and at bat. And, John, the, I guess the million-dollar question is how do you get those two things to even out to where, quite frankly, he's just getting his pitch? Any thought on that? Yeah, for sure. Great, great um, question. And I think that, you know, mechanics and approach, they go hand in hand a little bit. I think if your approach can be sound and if your mechanics are off, you're going to cheat and you're going to try to swing a pitch as you can't hit. Um, and vice versa, if your mechanics are good and your approach is bad, you're going to do the same thing. So with Vlad, it all comes down to, you know, pitch selection. I think you hit the nail on the head where, you know, you look back a couple of years ago, if he wasn't hitting a, a rocket somewhere, he was walking, right? And I think that just getting into a little bit of a rhythm will help him regain that form. And it takes a little bit of time. I've been saying it for a little bit now. I think Vlad's real close. Um, so I, he's he's hitting the ball hard. And I think it's just a matter of, all right, now there's going to be a bats where it is going to be a 0-0-1-0-89-mile-an-hour cutter from a righty. You, you can't swing at it. You can't ground it out to third, you know? So I think that's just the next kind of step for him, understanding, okay, yeah, this is a spot that I need to swing at, and if it's not there, I'm taking my walk, you know? So it's almost like he's feeling himself getting a little bit better, getting a little bit better. You know, I think it was, you know, the other night it's two hits in his first two at-bats, and then it's like, all right, I want to do a little bit more, and you got to just stay the course, take your walk. So I'm glad he's walking is when we're going to see him kind of be what he was a couple years ago. Is it hard, John, for – you know, not having been in that position um, myself. But, uh, you know, Vladdy is a guy, he's a terrific player, terrific hitter. A lot of people see Vladdy, they think home runs. And the, the mm-hmm. home runs haven't come at home in, in general. They haven't come for him this year. Is it, hard to, is it hard to kind of convince a guy that he is on the right track, even though the home runs aren't there? You know, as you say, when when you're walking and 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 – swinging at the right pitch you are good enough that eventually the ball is going to start to leave the yard I mean it sounds easy but then once you get up to the plate and you're facing a dude who's competing right against you it's it's it 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 just can't be that easy I guess is what I'm saying it's got to be harder than a lot of us think it is yeah I mean I think when you're doing it every night yes it's harder to you know when When you're doing it every night against the highest level of competition, it is hard to kind of stick with the process if you aren't getting the results that you are hoping to get. So that's, I mean, that's been the message. I think it's also to, you know, Vlad kind of maturing as a player and as a hitter and understanding that, that it doesn't have to all happen at once. So, yeah, easier said than done. But I think, again, it's going to take, you know, a, a few games in a row where it's like, okay, those are the results, those are the results, the home runs get mixed in there, and away we go. You know, but so far, I mean, I think he's done a fantastic job of just taking it, you know, one day at a time, one thing at a time. John, whenever somebody that's behind him is hitting better than he is at the time and you make the decision to put that guy in front of him, how does he handle that? He was great. I called him the night before. Again, we, this is something we talked about in spring training, you know, with with that group of guys a little bit, where how are you going to line up the top four? Um and I think we're at the point now with the consistency of at-bats from Brandon. It just really it, – it's one spot away. But, you know, it kind of just diversifies our lineup a little bit, um, whether you're facing the starter or, you know, whoever's coming in out of the bullpen. It's, um, 
you know, like Baltimore's the guy. I think they have four, three or four lefties in their pen, so it makes it a little bit different to work around the top, you know, three, if it's just right, 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 things like that. Um, if you're going to bring in a lefty at Brandon, that means a couple righties are getting that lefty, you know, after him. So it's things like that. But I think it's just been the equality of a bat from Brandon, really um, not forcing the issue, but just trying to get back into something we were um, excited about doing um, when the season started. You know, you've had an awful lot of faith in Kevin Biggio. You're starting to see the results now, uh, not just the home runs, but just in general. His the numbers have been climbing back up. His performance has been climbing back up. A lot of the underlying numbers have been good. I mean, you've seen this this guy enough, John. What what tells you, you know, beyond the raw numbers, that Kevin is being the best version of himself at a particular time? For one, the work that he he continues to put in, and I think that I mean it's still been a little bit sporadic playing time, but to his credit, I think when he's in there, he's understanding to still continue to play his game. And what I mean by that is not trying to do too much when you are in there, you know, swinging early in counts. And there's times to swing early in counts when anyone's playing, but I think just understanding his skill set, you know, and just and just sticking with that. So, I mean. Sunday's a perfect example between, you know, he hits a good fly ball, you know, pretty decent fly ball to center, two strikes single. Yeah, he strikes out, and then he comes up with a two with a two oh, you know, three run homer. It's that combination of kind of on base and damage is what we've seen. He made a couple of really good plays at first base. Um, I think one was to end an inning with Nate out there. And it, it's just kind of that overall skill set has has really kind of just come back into play for him. So Again, it's a credit to him for, you know, understanding the role a little bit better and, and continuing to work. Uh, Matt Chapman hit a home run in his last game. Uh, John, did you see a difference in his swing and the home run than you saw in some of the swings he took in May and early in June? I clipped the breaking ball, I think. It was a hanging breaking ball for the homer. Um, and he <laughs> – to say he was disappointed after his first at bat was would be an understatement. I think what he what he uh, in the dugout that so it was nice to kind of see him come back from that. Um, yeah, I think it, it's he's taken those swings. I think you know what we've seen differently is just um, you know pitches that he was hitting in April um, either fouling back or swinging through in May a little bit. So that's been the only real difference. I think he's done damage on breaking balls. I think teams have been you know like they have a lot of our guys. I feel like for you know, a two-week stretch, we were seeing a lot of high fastballs from a lot of different teams. And um, guys were either swinging through or fouling it off. So um, I think Matty just, you know, swinging at the right pitch in that situation, um, but hasn't really been doing much different. Now, we're seeing the bullpen be in kind of a state of flux right now. You use Trevor Richards as an opener. He was terrific. We saw Bowden Francis, who's, I know, back in AAA, but he looked like a guy that might be able to contribute. Nate Pearson is kind of put himself in a position where he gets more leverage. John, when you're managing a bullpen and you're making decisions in a game, where, how do you balance, and I'm, I'm thinking in particular of a guy like Adam Simber, how do, you deba- how do you balance how good a guy has been for you in the past, how reliable he's been for you in the past with what you see on that particular day. And I guess I'm kind of broadening that beyond, beyond Adam, but you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be hard to have a guy who's, I mean, he's, he's done whatever you want him to do. And, and he's scuffling. How do you kind of, 
how do you balance that as a manager? And I mean, as a dude, because Adam's one of your guys, right? Yeah. Well, if I had known he was going to throw a couple pitches in the middle of the plate, I would have left Francis in, right? I just wasn't watching him warm up. But <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I think it's with everyone, it, there's such a fine line, right? You guys know there's, there's a ton of numbers that go into decisions that help us make the best decision possible. And we talk about them before games. We talk about them in-game. It's myself, it's Donnie, it's Pete. It's our whole team, you know, kind of just walking through possible scenarios, right? So, there is part of it where, you, yeah, numbers help drive decisions, but at the same time, you know, you're using, you, you have to use your eyes. You have to fall back on conversations that you've had with, with each and each individual. Um, you have to be in tune with where they are off the field, on the field. What version is going to come out of that bullpen? Is it the guy that we expect to perform X, Y, and Z, or are there other things going on to where, you know, we may hedge a little bit up or down on that guy. Now, that being said, totally expected Simber to come in and get the job done. That didn't happen. And he's been a guy that more times than not has come in and, and gotten the job done for us. And I think led the league in appearances last year. So certainly a guy that we trust, especially on a day where we had uh, three other guys that weren't available. So needed a, um, a higher leverage inning out of Adam and it didn't work out, but it's um, it, it is a fine line and whether you're making out a lineup or whether you're trying to deploy your bullpen in a certain way. Um, yeah, there's raw numbers that say this is your best chance. Um, and there's also, you know, my eyes, Pete's eyes, Donnie's eyes um, that say, okay, this, this is what, and ultimately mine that you say, okay, this is, this is going to give us the best chance to win. So for me, it's always going to be that, that combination of, of, prep and what you see and um all you're trying to do is make the best decision for the guys every night uh whenever i think we saw a couple of nights ago and you say kikuchi's last start he was visibly frustrated when you took him out of the game yeah. i gotta ask john i've never asked a manager this when you see a pitcher that you've taken out of the game do that what's the first thing that comes to your mind i said i love it i'm glad you're pissed if you weren't pissed there'd be a problem um so at that at that moment, he always goes down to the tunnel and gets ready to go out for the next inning. So while the game's going on, Pete said, "Hey, did you tell him?" And I said, "No, I got to wait for one one more out or something." I told him quick, and that's when you saw the reaction. And I think it was me telling Pete, "I'm like, hey man, go go handle that for a second. I'll be right back." Um, but I I mean, you always want guys to be pissed when they come out of a game. You know what I mean? They know we've talked to. Everyone, they know why, you know, things are going to, you know, decisions are going to be made. They're just going to be made because I our best chance. Um, but the fact that guys are frustrated in the moment, whether I'm saying, hey, you're not playing today or, hey, you're you're done for the day. If they're frustrated, man, it's all good in the moment and love talking about them with them afterwards. Okay, just, just the opposite of being frustrated. Uh, tell me the truth. Why is Trevor Richards' changeup so good for you? Um, I mean, for what, I mean, yes, all of the numbers that, that are up there on the board, the horizontal, the vertical, he has really, really high spin on it, which makes it look like a fastball, um, which it's unusual for that pitch to have that high of a, of a spin rate. And he just throws it with the same arm speed. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very, very, very deceptive. Um, I think what's really kind of put it over the edge this year is how he's locating his fastball, um, with that. I think last year you saw him kind of pitch heater top of the zone, change up down, and hitters tried to really either pick one or the other or just, you know, see the ball up against him, much like they do against Gosman in some outings. So the fastball down has really been a weapon for him. Fastball command has been a weapon for him. But 
the changeup speaks for itself. I think it's always been really good, and what's taken it to elite is just coupling it with fastball command. Yeah, it's amazing when a manager has trust in you, how it can look on a mound. And speaking of trust, Nate Pearson, you know, me and Jeff talk about, and it's sort of a running joke on our show about Nate Pearson and Jeff's in love with him. And, you know, sometimes oh, I have my, well, sometimes I'm in I have my love with 102, doubts. Kevin. I mean, well, yeah, yeah we, but yeah. we haven't, John, we haven't seen 102 all the time. We have lately, and it makes it a lot easier, right? Especially when sometimes he falls in love with the secondary pitches and you have to see Pete run out there and, you know, say the things he has to say. Remember, you throw a you can throw 102. Don't be afraid to throw that first. Make the slider and the curveball that much better. I, I'm not going to ask you what you've seen that you've liked from him. I, I want to – it's the trust factor, right? It's uh, Being a manager, mm-hmm. what do you need to see from a guy who's trying to earn your trust that, you know, just enables you to have more trust to say, you know, man, his stuff is unbelievable. I have to run him out there in key spots. Yeah, I mean, looking back to what we talked about with Nate when he came up, you know, a couple weeks into the season was, you know, X amount of strikes, you know, two out of the first three pitches, how how often he's doing that. That's kind of been done consistently enough to now we're at the point with Nate where it's like, hey, man, you need to really nail this execution of this plan. Um, And he's done that. So trust is a big thing. I think what goes into it is, yeah, we're watching exactly what he's doing, um, sometimes in a couple innings, sometimes in one inning spurts. But, you know, within that, I think you you go back and you look at exactly how he's executing, whether it's fastball or one of his breaking balls. And then you couple that kind of with the, you know, what you're seeing, you know, how's the dude coming off the mound? It's a pretty confident dude right now. Um, He's a big dude, and, you know, you kind of don't want to get in his way right now when he's coming off the field, which is which is a great combo. Um, so I think it's all those things. It's just, you know, the, the stuff being there, obviously executing it, and then and then kind of just reading his body language and the, and the level of confidence that he does have. John, last question, and we'll let you run. Given what we saw in that last Manoa start with Bowden Francis and with, and, and with Trevor Richards, have you got an idea of how you're going to manage that spot in the rotation going forward, or is that you know still in flux? And frankly, does it depend on what happens in the start or two starts before that? Yeah, I think it's still in flux a little bit. It'll it'll you know it's you want to keep using guys in spots where they're most valuable, right? So if there's a spot to use Trevor for, you know, one inning or for two innings, you know, the day before that spot comes up and you got you to go for the win, you do that and you make adjustments accordingly. But um, still kind of in flux. We'll see how the, you know, the next four or five days shake out. And, um, and again, hopefully they continue to get some good reports on Alec and, um, and go from there. John, really good of you to do this. Thanks so much. Uh, go get him tonight. Yeah, back, thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Okay. Yeah, always good catching up. Be well. Yep. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. 705 is the first pitch tonight from Camden Yards. Uh, big game in uh, New York tonight as well. The first of two games between the Mets and Yankees. That big game, I don't know. Mm. Big for the Mets. Third place team against another third place team or fourth place That's team. So you're looking yeah. at it, huh? Pretty much. Uh, interesting timing. The Major League Baseball owners are meeting in New York as well. So, of course, the New York writers over to the hotel, talk to Hal Steinbrenner, the owner of the, uh, of the Yankees, about uh, what's going on. Uh, It'll big be story. fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Well, I mean, the big story is Anthony Volpe. Uh, I mean, well, he's the flashpoint, I guess. Hitting one at his slashing. He's slashing right now, 189, 263, 45, 
nine home runs and 14 stolen bases. Um, and, and the Yankees are, I mean, if, look, if you're asking me, the Yankees have got a ton of issues. Rookie yeah, shortstop hitting 189 isn't one of them. But anyhow, yeah. uh, Hal Steinbrenner gave him a vote of confidence today. He is going nowhere. I mean, I'm just reading what the New York Post has. Uh, who knows what else Hal Hal Steinbrenner had to say. Maybe that's what it is. It could be. Who knows what else else Hal Steinbrenner had to say. But, uh, look, anytime the Yankees and the Mets play, it's a big deal. As we mentioned, both teams are kind of scuffling. Both teams Mm -hmm. are disappointing in their own ways. Mm -hmm. Although I would suggest that the Yankees probably have more excuses for it than the Mets. At least that's Mm -hmm. the way it appears to be from here. Tim Britton is the Athletics New York-based baseball writer, covers the Mets, covers the Yankees as well. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 Defense, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite, your favorite, your favorite podcast or your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, most of our focus in these parts will be on uh, the Jays and Orioles tonight from Baltimore. 7.05 is the first pitch. We mentioned the Jays made a bunch of moves. Brandon Belt went in the I.L. Your cleanup hitter on the I.L. Stop it. Uh, Adam Simber went in the paternity list. Tyler Heineman was sent down, was optioned. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but it just makes no sense. Bowden Francis is called up. Uh, still no indication what the Jays will do on on uh, when Alec Manoa's turn comes around. I I still think a lot of it, as we heard John Schneider say, a lot of it's going to depend on, on the state of the bullpen through these three games. But I think Bowden Francis will probably start. get the start. Ernie Clement was back up, uh, was called up as well. Um, so there you go. That gets you all caught up. It'll be Chris Bassett against uh, Kramer. Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer, six and three in the area of 49. It's odd. I thought the uh, no, Tyler, okay, Tyler Wells is five and two through 10. That's what I was looking at. I was looking at other pitching numbers. I was going to say I thought Kramer's numbers were a little better, but I was looking at Tyler Wells' numbers. Uh, so our attention will be on this game tonight, but a lot of folks will have their attention uh, on the game in Queens as the Yankees and the New York Mets meet. Quick two-game series, of course, part of uh, Subway Series, Major League Baseball's uh, interleague games. And, I mean, I don't know who needs this. You know what? Let's Mm -hmm. bring in Tim Britton of The Athletic because I'm going to ask Tim the question that I was just going to throw out there. Tim, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Thanks for having me. Who is this a bigger series for, the Mets or the Yankees? I think it has to be the Mets just because they've, they're coming in having lost eight of nine. They're 31 and 35, four games under 500. I think, you know, I, I don't pay super close attention to the Yankees until this series comes along each year. And I, I feel like there's so much sturm und drang about the, the Yankees, all this turmoil. And then you look over and it's like, they, they seem like they're doing okay. Like they're, they're <laughs> what, nine or 10 games over 500. Yeah. It feels like their problems kind of pale in comparison to what the Mets are dealing with right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I think for, for the Mets, this, Whoever they were playing this week as they returned home, it was going to be a big series, but they happened to be playing a, a Yankee 
Yankees, which is you know the biggest home series for the Mets each year. Then this weekend they get the Cardinals, kind of a similar a team in a similar state of urgency uh, at this early point in the season. So I think it's a, a pretty big. Uh, five-game homestand for them. Tim, how did the Mets score runs? They're 28th in baseball the last 15 games, hitting 207. How, how are they going to score runs against the Yankees? I mean, that's that's the big question because they're, they're without Pete Alonso. And I, I've been saying for a while that Alonso is their most indispensable player. You can argue about who the Mets' best player is. That's probably still Alonso. But, you know, their offense operates so differently with him in the lineup versus without because he's the only guy who can really change the game with one swing. You know, he's leading the major leagues in home runs at 22. The next highest on the team is 12. Uh, so, you know, w- without him, they're going to rely a lot on uh, Francisco Lindor stepping up. Uh, he's hitting cleanup tonight. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, their young catcher, who has been tremendous since the start of May, uh, they need him to kind of be that player pretty consistently now. He can't go through the ups and downs that a 21-year-old catcher should be afforded in the major leagues. Uh, and they're going to try to ride hot hands. Tommy Sam has been really good for them the last couple of weeks. They just hope to, that that continues for as long as possible. What uh, we we heard we heard some some words from Hal Steinbrenner today at that owners meeting um, about about the Yankees. Hmm. Uh, what is Steve Cohen saying uh, about about the Mets and and in particular? I mean, I can't believe I'm asking this, but at, at some point, does he look at Buck Showalter? You know, you are not the first person to ask that, so you're not the first on the bandwagon yet. Um, you know, Cohen told the New York Post last week that uh, he's not in, he's not in the mood to make major changes right away. He knows that baseball takes time; you can't can't go in and make uh, can't operate the way George Steinbrenner did throughout most of the '80s and fire Billy Martin every other month. Uh, that you know they they like who they have in positions of power in the front office and in the, in the dugout with Buck Showalter. They want to see the, the team kind of get healthy and play, you know, put together uh, a better run of games. And they've, they've been able to really at any point this season. Uh, it is, you know, last year, so many things went right for them. Uh, and they kind of operated on the high end of, of what you thought they could be winning 101 games. And this year it seems to be the polar opposite where all of those players who, who came through, at a you know playing about as well as you could expect, or playing about as poorly as you could expect, uh, and they've operated on the other end of the spectrum. Can you tell what's going on, with Verlander? He'll have a good one. He'll have a bad one. He'll have a good one. He'll have a bad one. He's coming off a stinker, so you would think game two, you know, odds would say he would have a good one. Fastball command, the walks. It's just sort of you know, and a guy that's been around as long as he has sometimes looks like he just can't fix it on the mound. It's odd. What's going on with him? You think? Yeah, he's just been out of sync really since the end of spring training. You know, he, he was going through spring training looking really good, and then the, the last couple starts in spring, he walked. I think he walked more guys in the last two starts of spring training than he'd ever walked in any spring training totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, was kind of suggestive of the injury that kept him out the first month of the season. Uh, and since he returned at the start of May, like, like you said, it's kind of been one good, one bad uh, start after one another. Uh, so uh, the, the good news is he's in line for a good one on yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, they, they really need consistency out of him and Max Scherzer. You know, the, the guys they've had, the, the fill-ins at the back end of the rotation, who they believed in coming into the season, just haven't, haven't, haven't pitched the way they did last season. That's Tyler McGill. That's David Peterson. Peterson is back down in the minors uh, with an ERA of, of, better, of more than seven. So, uh, you know, their rotation has really been the issue coming into, this, coming into this series. And they've got Scherzer and Verlander lined up here. They've got them lined up next week in Houston. Uh, the, the, the hope is that those guys can actually pitch to what you expect them to pitch to uh, and carry this rotation moving forward. And given how much money the Mets are spending, what are you anticipating at the trade deadline? If, you know, let's say 
this is kind of where the Mets are. Even let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they're back around 500 or, uh, you know, uh, even I don't know if they can be over 500. But let's just say that they're around 500. They're a better team. Verlander looks a little more like Verlander. Scherzer stays healthy. They have a better sense of when Pete Alonso is going to come back. All that stuff. Wait, could, could you see them making a a monster move at the trade deadline? It really depends on how they view uh, their, their opportunity in the National League at that point and their prospects because, you know, last year last year was kind of the year to do that for them, right? They were in right. as good a position as could be. That, that was their second-best record ever at the trade deadline. They had Scherzer and DeGrom coming back healthy that week of the trade deadline, uh, and they decided to play conservative. Billy Epler, the general manager, said infamously that day, we, you know, we didn't trade any of our 19 best prospects. They probably should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year uh, – you don't want to over overcorrect necessarily. You don't want to start trading a, a Francisco Alvarez or a Brett Beatty because you're you're you didn't do that last year. Uh, but I think the interesting conversation with them becomes, you know, if they're in a position like this, it's not necessarily buying versus selling. It's probably buying versus staying pat, staying right. pat, mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, or we're not in a position to win the National League pennant unless the guys we already have take big steps forward in a way that they haven't so far this year. So maybe we get a reliever here, maybe we get a right-handed bat there, but we're not in the market for you know whoever the biggest name is at the deadline, whether that's a, a Corbin Burns or a Shohei Otani or, or you know whoever this year's version of Juan Soto is. Uh, I, I don't know that they're going to be in that market. Tim, do you have a good feel about how the Yankees feel about Severino, who's throwing a nice, giving up six home runs his last two starts? Fastball command's been real spotty. You know he throws hard, right? He's got good secondary pitches, but I, it just seems like for whatever reason. He just sort of can't get it right. Do you know why, or do you know? Yeah. You do think the Yankees know why? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't cover them as closely, so I don't have a, as good a feel for that. Yeah. Uh, I know that just coming in, looking at his numbers, and it was kind of raised my eyebrows. Thinking, like, oh man, like he's he's better than that, and sure. and that's been an issue. You know, the Mets have it with Scherzer and Berlander. The Yankees have it with Cortez and Severino. Uh, that the guys you expect to be not just you know, starting for you in the regular season, guys you expect to start postseason games for you in New York mm-hmm. have not lived up to, to what they thought on a consistent basis. You get good starts here and there. Uh, but like, like you said with Severino, the home run ball has been the big issue lately. Uh, they just haven't been able to trust him to give them, you know, even five good innings on every, every fifth day. Yeah, Tim, really good of you to join us, my friend. Thanks so much. Should be, a, uh, should be an intriguing yeah. and quick two-game series. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. for this. Thanks, Tim. Oh, anytime. Thank you. Tim Britton of The Athletic uh, covers the Mets. I kind of hope the, the Mets lose two games in a row. I kind of hope they do. Why? I just – I think there's more drama around that team. Because it it, they're four games under 500. If they lose both and they u- lose it to because of how much the owner wanted to outspend the owner of the Yankees, and now they're six games under 500, and because of that, a little bit of the reason is because of the Yankees, I just don't know. I sort of want to see what happens. And because their best two pitchers I mean, are throwing, far, like it would be, it would be. For, yeah. Far be it for me to uh, not root for, not love the idea of some drama for Buck Showalter. But, um, no. The, well, here, the, this is, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> Pardon me. I was reading an article on The Athletic from uh, Jim Bowden today. And um, he was talking about eight, it was eight things to watch at the trade deadline. And he mentioned something that I kind of mentioned earlier this year. And he was looking at the standings. 
And he was saying, okay, look, there are teams, Kansas City, Oakland, Detroit. Uh, they're not going in the American League. They're not going to the postseason. Washington's not going to the postseason. Colorado's not going to the postseason. He said he's interested in teams that teams like San Diego. Um, he said, I'm not interested in teams like Cincinnati that are making a run. He said, I'm interested in San Diego. I'm interested in St. Louis. I'm interested in the Mets. I'm interested in teams like the White Sox. He did not include the Blue Jays. But basically what he's saying, teams that are disappointing and teams that even if they go on a run may not be able to go on a sustained playoff run. And he said you could see, and I think he's right here, and I think this opens a lot of possibilities for the Blue Jays. He said, I could see where you could, in addition to the Kansas City's offloading all their relievers for guys, you may see a team like San Diego make a deal with a team like St. Louis because we've got change of scenery, guys. Or, you know, I'll use the Jays as an example, and I think this is just something to keep an eye on. We don't have a third baseman next year. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do something. Maybe you're looking for a righty power bat. Maybe we can do something that makes us better, addresses your situation with Chapman, and then we can go out and whatever we have to do this year to to fill in a third base. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I I think in addition to sellers and buyers, you're going to see sellers – Trading with sellers, yeah, it's well, it's or, out, or buyers. I guess he could too many flip alpha it in the males. head. I mean, buyers trading with buyers. There, there's a there's a lot of spending going on with both of those teams, or all a lot of those teams he's talking about. I'm just not sure. Like it, it, it would take some nerve to. I mean, part to, of me to sell it to your owner. Part of me looks at the National League and goes, "Come on, yeah." Right. I mean, really, who, who, who? If you're the Mets, uh, Atlanta's good. I mean, I'll. I'll tell you, Philadelphia is another team. Philadelphia is two games under 500. Mm. They haven't set the world in fire. No. Miami's seven over. And yeah, it's Philly's smoke been and this mirrors. before, though, and they made the World Philly's Series last been, year. So that's, this is sort of right. It's, but I, I look at, there's some teams that have to make interesting decisions. I'll tell you what, mm. the Dodgers are one three game losing streak away from being disappointing. They're three and seven in their last 10. Who you say the Dodgers? The Dodgers. Oh, they're going to win that division, though. But maybe. But if you're the Dodgers and you're, I, there's a team with some issues. Like, the, the, it's it is fascinating seeing how many, Pitching. seeing how many teams, you know, how, how many teams just look like they need. And I hate saying this, I, but they need to quote unquote do something. I get back to the White Sox. The White Sox, yeah. they need to do something. I think the Cardinals. What, the Cardinals need to change something. I think what you're saying here is with what the Blue Jays are trying to do at the trade deadline, there's more competition now. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about, right? Is how do you compete with the other good teams who have better prospects to give up than you have to give up? Exactly. Which means you're probably going to get guys that, that are, you know, you're just getting it to be getting it basically. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the issue here. It, and it, 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 it was very, it was, it was very interesting hearing or, or seeing him him break down because I hadn't quite, I hadn't quite thought of it, and and you know part of his argument too is, like who's really out of it now? You know who, who's really out of it because what happens when teams like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are winning? You know that the Cardinals and the, the Cardinals are going okay. Come on, I, we're we're really yeah we're eight and a half back. We're going to cede the division to the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. 
be fun. It's going to be, uh, it will be a very intriguing, yep. be a very intriguing deadline. And, and that's how good that, these GMs are. That's one of my concerns, man, is I don't know if the Blue Jays got what it ha- have what it takes to make a deal that puts them over the top. I just don't because whatever they have, it seems to me you're going to subtract something from something. Well, go 16 and 8. Uh, 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. That's your chance to leave questions, comments for Kevin Barker. What are you looking at me like that for? Mm. What are you looking at? You're making me think about those, all those other teams who are going to try and get basically the same exact thing the Jays are going to try and get. Hmm. It's not going to be easy. Well, we know that these games coming up are important. Jim from Hamilton has a question for Barker. What are the odds, do you think, that – the Jays can sweep Baltimore because oh. if they do, they'll only be two games behind Baltimore. Do you think that these next six games or even maybe nine games can and will decide the season? I mean, there you go. I'll let you well, know I that, said that. six and three. Can, can they sweep Baltimore? Absolutely. They can sweep Baltimore. You have some solid starting pitching. You have some guys coming out of your pen, but you know, you have John who, Picks the right guy. The right guy comes in and, and does exactly what he wanted him to do. Thursday, and I hate to continue to say this. Now you don't have belt. The Thursday. Well, the, you you roll your eyes. It's a fact. The Thursday matchup. Kikuchi. Well, you got to get to Thursday first. Yeah. No, don't put the cart before the horse. Well, here. no, but I mean, okay. if you're, but it, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, I, based on what we heard from John about Kikuchi coming out of you that like last game. You like tonight with Bassett? Yes or no? Yeah. You like Barrios tomorrow? I do. Okay. I then, do. Then Thursday's probably the one. And that would be sort of who your Kikuchi big time guys well. are in the offensive side of the ball need to be. That we've been saying this all year. Uh, they need to somewhat go on a professional run. He's, he's professional hitters, right? That, just a tough out. Like, just, you're not going to get me out. If you are, you're going to have to earn it. Mm. Those guys in the middle of the order are going to have to do that, minus Bo. Everybody else is going to have to fill in the blanks. Jeff from Morton has Jeff. a question. Just wondering if Vladdy makes the all-star team, do you think he participates in the home run derby? And if he does, would that be beneficial or harmful to breaking out of his quote-unquote home run slump? Well, I always thought if you can't hit him in batting practice, you're not going to hit him in the game. And I continue to ask Jeff this a lot. When we go to batting practice, how many times do you see Vladdy go deep? I see him occasionally. Like a half a round, he'll hit three or four to the pull side for homers. Why don't you, if you take 30 swings in batting practice, hit 30 homers. I've always been told that. Home run hitters, if you, it's like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire. You get in that groove where you just feel the finish. You're getting to it. You're holding it. You're watching it. Both eyes are following the baseball till it lands in the fourth deck. How come Vladdy don't do that? So, Absolutely. If he makes the all-star team, oh, I'd love which to see he's, got, in the which he's going yeah, to. He's going to make it He's easily. going to. Eliminate that lower half. Stop with that fluition thing. Get it down. Get it singing. Hit like 300 of them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all in on that. I'm going to flip that around, though, because, you know, I've talked about Bo going. If Bo goes to the all-star game. Absolutely not. Would you want him in the home run Absolutely derby? not. Okay. So you're okay with Vlad? You don't Absolutely. want Bo? Absolutely. Just the torque in that body and everything? Just, and... He's a, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why, why would you want him to try and hit him? All right. Oh, I think it'd be fun we, we seeing bra- a little. We I, all year. I think it'd be fun seeing a little dude, a little dude try to hit it in the home run derby. Well, you'd have to see who's in it first to see if he actually had a chance. I don't even know if I've ever seen Bo hit a home run batting practice. 
Well, now that's. Uh, I mean, I try to. I, I think he is a inside point. out, hit it down the right field line, and then try and get frisky backspinning doubles to left center. That's his like frisky round. Huh? I'm I'm not in on that. I don't like he. <laughs> no, but I like the Vladdy thing. I think Vlad. I think there's a. I think there's a little of an embarrassing part of this not hitting homers at home with Vladdy. I think he's gotten to the point mm-hmm. now. The people you talk to. You listen to John talk. Here's the thing. Like, there's a lot around that. If you get to the All-Star game and he's not hit a home run here. What do you know? Don't play him at home? (laughs) (laughs) Only play him on the road. You can't do that until. (laughs) I know one thing. You can't make that decision until Brandon Belt's healthy. You you joke. Karen Davidson. I'm very disappointed again in the Blue Jays season. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's early, Karen. It seems to always be our issue. When and when and when is somebody going to wake up and smell the coffee and get the pitching before the season starts? We know where our weakness is. We need to do it. What is the problem here? I know where it is. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't uh, sort of agree with that. I think the pitching's, pitching's been good enough. I think it's other the than offense. Alec Manoa. I think it's pitching's the lineup. Been fine. I think the lineup is. And there's one dude stuck right in the middle of that. It's just not getting it done. And early in the season, the dude was hitting cleanup, shouldn't have been hitting cleanup. So you can throw a bunch of names in that hat who screwed that up. Like you can, no. Say it. Uh, it it's it, true. No, the, the the bat is this is what I say when you That's, when you when you list the Jays priorities. See, I think that I think they have enough. I think they have enough to figure out whatever's going on with the rotation. I'm, I think Ryu will be back. Hyunjin Ryu, by the way, is throwing live batting practice hmm. tomorrow, which is good. Be good surprise. It's better than, it's better than Chad dead green. It's, it's better than dead Where's batting practice. It's better than dead. What is batting. that? I don't know. Why it's just one of those things. Live it. BP is like it's a dumb thing. What is live BP compared There's to? There's an actual dude standing in the batter's well, box on. trying to go back live, Lake we're, City. We're doing That's live the BP. difference. Instead of standing like in a, a bullpen with nobody down It's there. like a new record. Well, you want me to tell you the no, difference? The, That's the difference. You know what? There is no such thing as a new, a new record. It's a record. It's not the new record. It's a record. If the record of this was seven how did and I, I do eight, how did I know it's a new when record. you heard it said that way? It's, it's, that it's you'd a record. Be the it's only not one a new record. Complain about it's that. not a new record. There's no such thing. A record is a record is a record. There's no such thing as an old record or a new record. It's a record. Anyhow, uh, but I'm I'm with you about the uh, well, the the pitching. Uh, I I don't think you can quote unquote address the pitching concerns, frankly, un- until you un- until you until you know what you need to do with the lineup, and you don't know what you're going to do to the lineup, what you're going to need to do to the lineup until Vladdy gets going. The worst case scenario for me is this goes on all year up to the trade deadline, oh, and Vladdy's that. got like 16 home runs or whatever. He's got and, nine now. He'd have to hit a bunch of them. And you don't know so you're what's telling up me with he'd Manoa. Hit, he'd hit six more homers in the next 24 games? What I'm saying is that is, to, that to right? me, the worst-case scenario is you get near the trade deadline, you don't know what you're going to get from Manoa. And, I mean, Manoa at this point, Ben Nicholson-Smith had a tweet today. He's doing up and down, but some of it's being done in the pitching lab. That, what, why do you think they I, sent him there? I'm not surprised. Why do you but, think that? I, I, no, I no, I'm not surprised. They but they didn't it's want just, him to go to AAA. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of what of what they're up against with Alec. Mm. 
It, to me, it really is. So until you kind of get a, until you get kind of get a sense about that, and until you have an idea whether or not Chad Green and Ryu are going, and my gut tells me Hyunjin Ryu is going to be in the rotation in the in, in August, and my gut tells me that Chad Green's going to be in the bullpen. And I until you, but until you get a better idea of that, because you don't have a ton of stuff to trade. Like you've really, you got like maybe one or two things you can trade right now. Boy, you've got to make sure that you maximize what you get in return. 15 of the next 24 on the road. Glad he like hitting on the road. Anyhow. What was I saying? That's it. That's it for us. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of days off. What? I am going to, in, in unity with cleanup hitter Brandon Belt, I'm taking a couple of days off. I'm with you, Hold Brandon. Hammy. Pull the hammy. I'm taking a, a couple of days off. I'm showing unity with Brandon Belt. I'm going to take a couple of days uh, off. You'll still be here. Ben Ennis will guide you through things. It's still Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 316, wherever you get your favorite podcast.